Hey everyone, post-episode recording, Brandon here, just here to let you know that uh, in this episode, uh, my mic was unfortunately not set correctly, and uh, the entire episode, at least on my end, was recorded on my webcam, and it is some pretty gnarly quality, so just fair warning. It's a great episode otherwise, but if it's a little hard to listen to, I'm so sorry. Next episode, that won't be an issue. I just had yeah not noticed that the wrong mic was selected so sorry in advance hope you still like the episode anyway bye Hi everyone, and welcome to the 190th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Churro, you're back! Yes, I am back. You came back from the East Coast. How was Boston? Very cold. Right? Uh, I've, I've, I've been in the East Coast a few times, but only during the summer, so it's, it's always been warm and hot. Yeah, yeah. This is my first time in the East Coast when it's actually cold, and... And basically, let's just say I was not prepared for it. Yep, yep. How, how cool was it? Um, when I got to Boston, it was it was the highest that I've that I've like seen. It was like fifty degrees. Wow, yeah. which is like morning type weather for you know for me in the in SoCal in Cali, yeah. But then at 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 night it'll go drop to like twenty. High twenties, sometimes low twenties. Mm-hmm. But that's that. But that first night, we went out. Me and my friends went out to go get food. Where we walked twenty minutes to a pizza place, and I wore one shirt, one jacket, <laughs> and it was twenty eight degrees and windy. And yeah, and luckily I had a scarf covering my face too, so I was freezing. So the rest of the days was just two shirts, two jackets, and that was enough. Wow! But then like. You know, everybody else was like had thicker jackets and winter jackets, and me, I was just like, like two hoodies and like two shirts. That was it. And a scarf. Yeah. Damn, that's uh, that's rough. Yeah, actually, like here, it's kind of a warmer day today. It's uh, it's actually up to sixty one, but later tonight it's gonna go down to thirty seven. So, yeah, it's pretty chilly so yeah i get that and especially like yeah i'm the same i i'm i come from florida so like i'm also not so used to this kind of weather and yeah the best the best advice that i've ever gotten over this and and you were doing the right thing by the way is you don't want to like worry so much about like getting a really expensive coat and that's all you wear. You get more bang at, for your buck out of layering. That's what, you want to layer what, as much as possible. That's what one of my coworkers told me, and I literally just remember her telling me that when I got uh, when yeah. I got back that first night, getting ready for the yep. next day, I was like, I need to start layering. I think that's what she said. Yep. Layering is where it's at. Like better than having just, like, one really nice jacket, like, layer, and then you'll be fine. And then, uh, yeah, so I I guess another, like, update for me, kind of crazy. So the coronavirus is, I'm sure everyone's seen as being kind of bad. And uh, here in Japan, uh, they've actually canceled school for the next 
you know, month pretty much. Like they canceled the last month of school and it's nationwide and it's for elementary, junior, junior high school and high school. Like this to me is unprecedented. I don't know about you, Churro, but I've never experienced in America nationwide canceling of school for like a really long time. I mean, like for a full month. It's hard for me to imagine that because we don't get really much, you know, dangerous, you know, weather or anything. Yeah. Like the worst we'll get is like a heat wave. That's it. But yet, yeah, everything still goes on like the way it is. Like we don't. I mean, I, I have heard like what one of the guys here, like he's from uh, West Virginia, and he said that, uh, you know, he's he's experienced having school be canceled for a month due to, uh, you know, snow being too crazy, but he's never experienced, uh, you know, a nationwide shutdown of school for this long. So, yeah, it's pretty uh, unprecedented, and especially with Japan, they're so strict about, you know, going to school. So, yeah, this to me has been pretty crazy, and at least for me as a teacher, like, that, that, uh, it, it does, it does affect me, so... Now, I still am technically going to work. It's just instead of going to school, I go to the uh, Board of Education here. And it's a lot of long days, a lot of boring days, because there's no classes. So, But it's nice. It's a lot more relaxing than uh, dealing with the kids being stressed about graduation and stuff. So, But, uh, yeah, I hope uh, just hope everyone out there stay safe, wash your hands, and uh, use soap and water. Also, and here's a good tip. I heard this. Uh, this is something they may teach, like, dentists and, uh, like, surgeons and stuff. Like, when you wash your hands, after you wash your hands, like, tilt your hands downward so your hands are dripping down. Do not put your hands upward because if, you're there, if your hands are upward, then the water with all the disgusting germs that you just, like, have been scrubbing is going to drip down your, back down your hands again. So you're going to recontaminate your hands. So after you wash your hands, hands down, and then grab a towel and dry your hands. That was the other thing. Dry your hands because uh, germs, bacteria, viruses, all that stuff, they transfer a lot easier on wet surfaces than they do on dry surfaces. So that's been a, uh, a, PSA. a health minute. Health, health PSA on King Words Union. So, uh, yeah, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. And we are presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union. And we come out on the iTunes Store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, and... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. We have a two-segment show today, our first segment being our news segment, and our second being our question segment. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahika Blawi, Alex and Rachel Troutman, who are at Akira Namjin, Guide Seeker, Billy Jackson, who's at underscore Billy Jackson, Chris Morales, Miles Ribbons, Michael Graham, David Calro, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Chris Pope, who's at Dr. Pope 181, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre 23, and Churro, if you could take these last ones. We got Yannick Nod, who is at Yannick Nod, Tori Patrick, Freya Stella, Fayez Balawi, Flipser Nuss, 
Lewis James, Tom Hughes, who's at Tom underscore Hughes 22, Zach Duranto, Yam Potato, exclamation point, Rachel Casterston, who's at Uber Yoon Ray, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, Darren Matthews at Doomster73, and Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And just so you know, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind Spoilers are fair game. And that would include everything that leads up to Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, so Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. Alright, so for the news for this episode, Churro, we got a new Kingdom Hearts title. Well, we already knew the title. Yeah. Uh, Churro, uh, a new Kingdom Hearts title has been detailed. Yay. It's Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. But aren't they calling it like Kingdom Hearts Union Cross Dark Road or something like that? Yeah, which that's that's the twist they didn't tell us before, right? right? Like It's like, oh yeah, it's Kingdom Hearts blank blank. You know, minus the fact that it's also uh, a part of Union Cross, apparently. Or whatever. So yeah, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. It's going to be an iOS Android game. Now, do we know, is this going to be a separate download? No. Or is this going to be a part of Union Cross? It's a part of Union Cross, basically. It's kind of like the, uh, okay. the Classic Kingdom, how you load up Union Cross. Oh, uh, okay. Press, so you know, there's going to be a... another button to select it. So it's just a menu in Union Cross. Yeah, pretty much. Since it's still okay. using Union Cross's assets, it's basically... With yeah, the, like, exactly. I think they, they went the easy route and just say, hey, it's going to be within Union Cross in the app. Yeah, just st- staple, to, staple it onto Union Cross, pretty much. So, yeah, you can play it on iOS and Android. It uses cards similar to uh, Kingdom Hearts Key, the, the original uh, web browser game that this is all based on. Uh, and I say similar as in literally the same, because they're the same cards. And, uh, yeah, uh, obviously we've known this part before, but yeah, it's going to tell the history of Xehanort and presumably, uh, Master Ericus as well, when they were still kids in Skull Ad Kylum, going on their crazy adventures, apparently. Uh, there's going to be a launch campaign around the time that this game launches for Union Cross players so they can get points based on how many uh, medals they have in Union Cross. They'll be able to use those points in exchange to get new cards for uh, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road just to get you started. And, uh, yeah, as Churro, you hinted before, generally speaking, this is, you know, based on Kingdom Hearts Union Cross and therefore uses a ton of assets from Union Cross. Uh, so much so that, yeah, straight up one of the screenshots is going back to Agrabah for the billionth oh, time. I am not looking forward to this. Yeah, aren't you excited to go to Agrabah again? No, no more sand. Yeah. Like, I'll just say, personally, if there was, like, I don't know, a new Kingdom Hearts game that happened to include Agrabah in it, like a new, like, say, console-quality game, New console game that had a Agrabah world that's like made to the quality of a Kingdom Hearts three level. You know, let's say hypothetically, you know, you know, just like we experienced with uh, 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 Olympus, Mount Mount Olympus, and all that stuff with uh, Hercules. Like, I thought that was great. 
I would take that. Like, I don't hate Agrabah. I don't hate Agrabah. I'm sick of it from Union Cross, because it's literally the same world. And it's not like I'm complaining that, you know, I'm just, you know, annoyed by the level design or anything. It's just literally, if you've played Union Cross, you have been to Agrabah hundreds of times. And it's basically for the dumbest things. Like, you, I remember a quest uh, mission line where you had to find a boo. So you have to go from one end, yeah, back to another, then back to another, and then over the course of like nine missions, it's just and, got, and then you also at some point they added in the Cave of Wonders, and then that got got a lot of play. So yeah, like maybe it sounds kind of bad that we're complaining, but it's out of the fact that we've played through Union Cross quite a bit, and man, if you play through all of Union Cross to get caught up. Like, you are going through Agrabah hundreds of times. The same area over and over again. And this is supposed to be like a new Kingdom Hearts game, so it's like, it's just hard to... It's a hard pill to swallow that a new Kingdom Hearts game, theoretically, or a new part of a Kingdom Hearts game, is going to be so reliant on uh, old stuff again. Have you ever seen something that was, like, hyped and then just... Instantly. Complete change in... Like, just go look at the announcement where they actually showed the screenshots. Yeah, just read the and comments. And go look at, look at the comments. Like, you don't have to listen to us. You just look at what is said there and... Oof. Ouch. <laughs> especially, especially when they show that screenshot of uh, Agrabah. Anyway, yeah. it, I think that announcement would have been better if they just left that out. Or gave yeah. a different screenshot entirely. Then it would have yeah. been a better response, but then, no, you had a, just that Agrabah shot alone, it's just... Do you yeah. think, what what world do you think would have been better? Because I can't really, I mean, I think probably Wonderland probably would have been just as bad. Wonderland would have been just as bad. I I think it would have been just, uh, what's, what was the one of the worlds? I think even, like, Cinderella's world would be okay. <laughs> Cinderella's world, yeah, that could be okay. Maybe the Beauty and the Beast world. Uh, yeah, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Maleficent's world. Uh, yeah, that world would have been fine. Yeah, I. But man, Agrabah. Why you guys start with that? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. So, uh, also with regards to the gameplay, uh, they're really touting the interactive elements of it. The fact that with this particular one, they're touting the. Uh, requirement of uh, fast reflexes and in the menu it's got the cards and you're sort of like swiping up on them and I'm, gu- I'm guessing I'm guessing there will be some sort of timing mechanic related to when you swipe and all that stuff I'm just thinking like okay that's all well and good how fun and exciting is that going to be the millionth time you have to do that Especially when you gotta swipe, like, pretty quickly, like... Yeah. Like, people complain about Union Cross that it pretty much plays itself for the most part. It does. Apart from... Like, it plays itself, and then on top of that, like... Now, there is... There is strategy, though. In the PvP mode, there is some strategy involved, and especially also in raid battles, and those, like, uh, special boss battles... Absolutely, there's strategy there. Like you can, you have to think about the numbers and the counters and this, that, and the other. Like there's definitely, genuinely strategy there. With with that stuff, 
It usually occurs outside of battle. I really love, my favorite part of Union Cross's gameplay was always the preparation stage. I felt like that was always pretty fun. Because, you know, before you go into the battle, or even like, you know, you go into the battle the first time and maybe you don't know what's going on, and then you just go and you play it the first time just to see what the tricks are that that boss has. Yeah. Just so you can figure out what kind of stuff you need to come at it with. And then you go out and then you rethink your strategy, recreate your deck, and then go back in and see how you do. Like, that process I like. What is not as fun is the actual gameplay when you're actually in the battle. Because it, when you're in the battle, it's just like, it's auto. Put it on auto battle and you're pretty much there. Yeah, that's that's all it is. That's all I do now. So, so I just wonder, yeah, how is this going to be... You know, how is this going to feel? I'll also say, like, man, I don't like the look of the cards as compared to the medals. I feel like the medals look so much better. Uh, I guess, like, I guess I'll Especially the ones in the screenshot where it's literally like, all right, here's here's just a couple of JPEGs of the Kingdom Hearts 1 opening slapped onto a card. That's how pretty much um, Kingdom Hearts key cards were. Yeah, which that's basically what these are. They're just reusing Kinoard's key cards. I'm assuming they're going to make more and new cards as well. But, wow. Yeah, it's... Uh, copy and paste. Yeah, copy and paste, pretty much. So, uh, Churro, yeah. I, I, want, I want a yes or a no. Are you excited for Kingdom Hearts Dark Road? Maybe. Maybe? <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, am I excited for Kingdom Hearts Dark Road? But no. Are you talking about in terms of overall scale, or you talking about like uh, story wise or gameplay wise? I guess on the whole, we'll just leave it there. Uh, I think I would. Oh, I can't say a definite yes or no, but if I, I can do it on a scale of like ten. Okay, let's let's hear it on a scale of ten. How hyped are you for Dark Road? I'd say I gave it about six and a half. All right, I'll give it about a five. Because I'm about like fifty fifty, but mostly no. I'm most I'm more I mostly care about like Xehanort's origins than anything. But it's yeah, like, the story side. Okay, so yeah, story side. I'm interested in that. Gameplay wise, no, I'm it, not. It I'm not going to play it straight it just up. Sucks that we have to play the game to get the story. Yeah, you know? well, I'm not going to play it. I'm going to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, um, true. So, but yeah, story wise, I'm interested. But even then, like speaking on the story, like. At least how Union Cross goes, it's like the story is so always so few and far between. It takes so long to get through it that like even then, like while yes, on in the grand scheme of things, uh, in the long sense, I am interested in the story. I'm interested in what this on the whole is going to say about Xehanort's story. That on the whole, I'm interested. I am not interested in the moment-to-moment story either, because, or at least, that's how we've been experiencing it with Union Cross. Like, if you're talking about Union Cross, like, if you went on YouTube and watched every single cutscene of Union Cross, every single one, even including all the Disney ones, like, is that a fun story? No! But if you only watch the important ones, or if you watch a story summary on YouTube, or you watch someone who's painstakingly cut together all just the important scenes, 
then that's interesting. I like that. That's great. Like, and I'm I'm assuming Dark Road is going to be the same thing. It's going to have a great story once you take the whole story together and throw out all the garbage, all the filler. But that's not how it's going to release. It's going to release very slowly, very piecemeal, because it's a gotcha game. And they're just trying to get you to keep playing every single day. They want you to have this be a habit. They want you to play this every single day. So, I don't know. Hard for me to get excited, but I guess in the general sense I am. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get excited, especially when we know what we're prepared for overall, which is the card battle system, the... Yeah, uh, the Disney rules that we are not looking forward to, you know. Yep. So yeah, it's understandable in that sense. Like that's why for yeah. me, it's like all I care about is story. It's like I, it's like me. I'll come back to Union Cross every now and then, but then it's like yeah. But then even then, I'm just like dreading. Like I have to load it up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh God. All right. So yeah. So that's Cam Hearts Dark Road. Terry, do we have like any concrete? information on the date did we get that um no um there have been rumors though because when dark road was announced i believe the amount of because somebody pointed out to me like the amount of jewels we got was 4800 which is you know what what you think is a random type of number given a number yeah. of jewels we get but some people pointed out that 4800 could be 48 you know Mar- april 8th Okay, yeah, that's that's a possibility. That's, that's something that somebody pointed out to me. And I'm yeah, like, eh. at the very least, we do know it's it's definitely going to be in spring. Yeah, for you know, and spring is from like what March to like May. Yeah, so there, there's still plenty of time, and yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised either April or May. I don't, I don't personally feel like it's going to come out in March. Yeah, because March already, we already have the uh, the collectors. Uh, release on PS4 and the 17th, yeah. about 10 days from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but we do know it's coming out this spring, so I guess if you're really interested or if you're a Union Cross fan and you just want more content, like, that, that is the nice thing about this, is for people that like Union Cross and want more content, that's, this is gonna give you that, so that's good. Alright, so, Moving on from there. So, Churro, uh, before we talked a little bit about this, Churro, but yeah, you went to you went to PAX. Yes, I did. It was my second PAX, actually. But it's actually my first PAX East. Wow. So, to... how how does this PAX compare to the other PAX you've been to? Actually, I enjoyed this PAX a lot more. Because like, one of the things I did not like about PAX West is that... Um, everything's on different floors. So you have, like, one floor oh, okay. that acts like a hall, and then you have another floor that acts like... It's like everything's, like, condensed into, like, different floors. So you're constantly <laughs> going up and going down, going up and going down. Where yeah, like, that's they annoying. Made it, like, the, the exhibit hall floor at the Boston Convention Center is huge, so it fits, like, everything on there. So okay. It's like, but then but then if you want to go to, like the, like, the theater for panels and stuff, you know, of course, it's upstairs, but yeah, but yeah that's all it is. Like, all... The panel stuff. So basically, okay. if you want to play everything, it's all down in one location on the floor. Because I remember at PAX West, you know, you have the main hall on like the second or third floor. Then you go to the fourth mm-hmm. floor for like all the indie stuff. So it's like, yeah, gotcha. it's, it's more traveling, but here it's just all in one like big giant central location. Gotcha, gotcha. So you, uh, so you went there, had a good time at PAX. 
and you did a panel about Kingdom Hearts uh, with Monster Vine. Yes, we uh, the panel was titled Monster Vine, ranking the Kingdom Hearts games from worst to best. Okay, gotcha. So, you know, g- give me a highlight. So what? So in the panel, like the people that were on it, was everybody like pretty much into the Kingdom Hearts series? Uh, everyone except for our moderator, Austin. It's kind okay, of gotcha. it's kind of like Monster Vine inside joke. To where gotcha. they all play Kingdom Hearts games, but yet he didn't. So he he doesn't like Kingdom Hearts, plain and simple. Fair. So for him to be the moderator of a panel that that talks about Kingdom Hearts, it's just the, really the inside joke within itself. Gotcha. Okay, so, that's cool. So basically, it was just you know myself and I think four other people that were on the panel that t- and then we were talking about our our top three favorites and then our least three favorites, and then. Basically, after we discussed all that, um, then we went, you know, to uh, like a quiz thing for Austin. Basically, mm-hmm. they would show Austin different like characters, and he would have to guess if they were actually from Kingdom Hearts or not. Oh god! So that that shows how much he, you know, he doesn't like Kingdom Hearts. So he, so, yeah. So he did pretty good on that. And then after that, after that, we finally kind of like ranked. Like each of the Kingdom Hearts games on our own, which was like, gotcha. the worst of the best. Gotcha. So, what were what were your personal uh, top three and low three? Well, I I I knew I was going to troll the well. First off, I was going to troll the audience because okay, good. Like basically, everybody has a distinct favorite of Kingdom Hearts two and you know two's final mix, etc. As being the top one, so I said I ranked that as my wor- absolute worst one and. And I've never seen a crowd so vocal in my life. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but I was That's like, great. you know what, guys? I was just joking. You know, Kingdom Hearts Two is you know my definite favorite one because to me, I felt Kingdom Hearts Two, you know, was like a very complete Kingdom Hearts game. You know, in terms of gameplay and all that. <clears throat> so, and the Disney Worlds were, you know, they had good selection of Disney Worlds, and and then you know the Final Mix version brought in a lot of updates and. And all that to it, so I always felt that Kingdom Hearts Two was my absolute favorite. Okay, and then uh, what were your uh, well? Do you do you have your like actual least favorites as well? I, I put I put Union Cross up there because I just can't Good. stand the fact that it's a gotcha game, and then it requires you to you know invest so much into it just to get like bits and pieces of story. Yeah, of course. You know, and and I and I and actually surprisingly, I put a uh, Kingdom Hearts one on there. Really? Okay. Yeah, because like I love Kingdom Hearts, but yet the gameplay is just so it's not it's not it, it's hard to play it still for me. Yeah, it's, think. it's it is very basic now. Yeah, and when I played it in back in December on stream, I was just like I was so frustrated with it because I was like. Slow, clunky, and you know, and all that. I was like, but in terms of story, it's still pretty. So, in terms of story, it's still one of my favorites. Yeah, like it's it's just marred by like very slow and basic combat, pretty much. Yeah, which I'm totally with you there. Like story wise, it's it's still my favorite. It's the one Kingdom Hearts game in the series that you can say you can play that game and that game only and be fine. Like if every if anybody ever wanted to play one Kingdom Hearts game in one Kingdom Hearts game only and not need any explanation, 
that's the only one you could recommend to them. I do agree, though, that unfortunately there's a lot of aspects of it that just that don't translate so well in a modern game, or at least to a modern gamer that has no history with the series. So, you know, that, that was the whole reason why I made that YouTube video about, like, I hope one day we can get, like, an actual proper remake of Kingdom Hearts, because there's such a solid story there that if they could just update it and make the gameplay better and make, like, you know... Maybe not just a, a remake, but like also like rebooting it a little bit, like adding more to it and fleshing it out here and there. You know, I mean, maybe not to that. the not to the extent of Seven Remake, but like that kind of stuff. Yeah, because you know, I mean, because push it further, because it's it's the very first one, and it's like you know, and it and it's required. Yeah, it. So it, it just sucks that like. You know, that it's it's required, it's such a great story, it's just trapped with very old gameplay, and it's hard to get into for people that don't already like it. Which, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, being a, a fan of the Yakuza series, Yakuza series had the same problem for a long time, actually. And uh, the way they handled it was uh, twofold. First, they made Yakuza 0, which is supposed to be a replacement for Yakuza 1. You know, it's to completely, or not a replacement for Yakuza 1, but a replacement for Yakuza 1 as being the entry point into the series. They basically made a brand new game that uses all the modern ideas that they've been coming up with for the Yakuza games, and replaced it storyline-wise as being a much better place to start with in the series compared to Yakuza 1. And then after that, on top of that, on top of making Yakuza 0 a much better opening point to the game, or uh, opening point to the series, they also remade Yakuza 1, and they released that, like, the, literally the next year. They released 0, and then the next year, they released a remake for Yakuza 1. So they did both. So, I mean, man, just looking at that particular team and how much down to a science they have that series... It just makes me sad sometimes when I see, like, Kingdom Hearts. It's like, I, I know, like, every time, like, a big game comes out, they're always awesome. No question. But I just wish, like, they could take into, you know, consideration some of the cool things that some of these other Japanese studios are doing to get out games more quickly. And structure-wise, it would be so nice if there would be, like, a... I don't care what it is. If it's a remake or a brand new game, I just want a new entry point to the series so that new fans, they don't need to know nothing about nothing. I can just tell them, start here, and it's going to be a good representation of the series and show the series in a good light. That's all I want. I, I, I know we get on this rant at, like, every episode. No, right? I'm serious. I'm serious. If I didn't mean it, I wouldn't say it so much. So... But, uh, yeah, I guess other than that, Churro, was there anything, like, what was your favorite thing about PAX, you know, for people who haven't been to PAX? Like, did you play any good games there? Did you see any cool cosplay? What what things did you like about PAX outside of the panel? I mean, it's basically, it's more of a, it's, it's more of a attendee-friendly feeling. It's like, you know, yeah. I attended E3 before, and, you know, and, like, even, it, even when E3 was open to the public, it still felt... Like it was made for people in the industry for press, yeah. It just basically just allowed you know regular attendees just to join in. The yep. atmosphere here is just that it's it's made for 
you know, the fans. Yeah. You, know, you feel it. It's like he's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's really hard to explain. It's just like the atmospheric. It's like, it's, you know, there's games all littered all around the floor. You know, you just walk up to a booth and, you know, get yep. in line and start playing just like you normally would anywhere else. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's a very welcoming experience, whereas with E3, it's kind of like, all right, like we're running out of money. You can come in if you want. Yeah, when when you look at E, when, when somebody who's attended E3, but don't says, touch anything. Whatever you do, don't touch anything. You grubby little gamers. Right, it's exactly like that. Like when you, as soon as I got down to the floor, it's like, it's like, where do I go first? All right, well now I can't do anything at yeah, E3 because, because, like, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, the biggest one of the biggest games you know wasn't available to play, which is The Last of Us Two, because somebody you know pulled out of the the event. Yeah, you know. Then, like, I was also looking forward to you know the Final Fantasy fourteen meet and greets, the fan gathering mm-hmm. they had there. That unfortunately was canceled. You know, so more it became more of a just walk around and see what's there to do, and maybe pick up okay. uh, an indie game or two because most of the bigger games that were there, I didn't really have an interest in. You know, like it's like yeah. I've already played the seven remake demo a lot of times. Yeah, of course, and, uh, and it, that requires a ticket. You know, then. And then they announced like literally like the week before, you know, you they had some of the voice acting cast there to sign autographs, and I got to have their autographs, and and um and unfortunately the Barrett's voice actor, um he had to leave in the middle of the the signing that because there were two there were two signings there's one right at ten thirty and one at two thirty, so I got the two thirty ticket, so mm-hmm. he had to leave in the middle of the 2.30 uh, to go to another event. Like, he had to fly to Toronto for an event and then fly back to PAX for the, the panel on Sunday. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, but he did pre-sign some cards, right? They have little tiny character cards that okay. voice actor signed, like, for example, Erica Lindbeck did a Jesse, and you have a little Jesse card, and, and you can have that signed, or you can bring your own thing for them to sign, or the posters they were handing out. Um, you can get those assigned. Um, but what happened was, um, Bears VA, John Eric Bentley, he signed mm-hmm. like, a, like a small, like a big stack of them, right? And I was one of the well, last. That's nice people. of him for doing it. Oh, definitely. But I was one of, I was the last person to go on the 230 signing. So by the time I got there, they're already given out. So, oh, uh, yeah, like, too bad. So I was like, hey, can I still get a, a bear card? So they're like, Squarenus gave one to me and, and then the next day, I was like, I came back to the uh, a signing, and I talked to um, one of uh, my Square Enix friends that I know personally, and I was mm-hmm. like, hey, um, is it possible to get, you know, John, you know, John Eric Bentley to sign the card because I, they ran out of um, his autographs, and basically they took it to him, and not only did he sign the card, he mm-hmm. actually got up from the table walked over mm-hmm. to me, shook my hand and, you know, thanked me for coming, you know. And, what a nice guy. Yeah. He, and basically, you know, it, and, and it was nice of him to do that. You know, he didn't have to do it. He could have just signed it and be like, okay, here you go. No, but he, man, he took the time to get up. He walked over to me and, you know, shake my hand and talk to me for a little bit before going back to signing. What a nice guy, man. Very Great. super nice. And, I, and the funny thing is like, I bumped into him on the, on the very, on Sunday like when yeah. when they were about to close, I was coming down the the escalator because um, I had to like 
I didn't find out till like the night before that the Airbnb was booked till Sunday, and I was leaving. Oh. Monday. So I just <laughs> ended up booking the hotel that's connected to the convention center. Yeah. So I just I came down after I finally put all my stuff in. So I was like, hey, I only got like an hour left, so I'll go down there. So yeah. I, on the way down, I see one of my friends that I met at the uh, the show, and he's been hanging out with uh, with John Eric Bentley, and he he. He's like, I, he's like, I know you. I remember you. That the Trua hat, like you, you can't forget a hat like that. So you, you know, I got to talk to him for a little bit longer too. Oh, that's great. So you know, John Eric Bentley, go follow him on Twitter. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, it seems that way. That's awesome. So, and then yeah, got to do do that autograph signing. Then I got to go see one of my uh, my friend um, Kristen Nigus. She's one mm. of uh, Project Destiny. Oh yeah, Destiny. Yeah, and she. Um, she was in part of the orchestra for Supergiant, the the company that does like Transistor, Hades, Pyre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had a, like a a concert there, and I oh, awesome. saw that, and that was. Uh, it made it makes me. I never played any of those games, but after yeah. finally going to their concert, it makes me want to play those games now. <laughs> yeah, I hear really good things about their soundtracks. The soundtracks are amazing. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So. It it was it was fun. It, I had a, a, you know the most fun walking around, and then, and one of the things I like seeing is like there's a lot more tabletop. Uh, yeah, things yeah. Going on now, like to sell stuff and to do actually do tabletop gaming. So yep. like, I have a friend at work that's actually been you know wanting he's been wanting me to go join him tabletop gaming again. So I was like, God, you know now it's making me reunite my childhood all over again. Just seeing all right? this stuff come back now. Yeah, definitely, like, everything that you're describing to me definitely feels like PAX is, like, totally designed for the, you know, the fans in mind. Like, for, you know, people just coming in there. And not so much, like, E3 where, yeah, now the fans are allowed in, but it's more like, alright, you're allowed in to pay the bills, and that's about it. Don't touch anything. And if you want to play a game you're gonna have to wait in like a three hour line at best yeah because like e3 has like all the big games and and it's like i'm sure pax is the same way when there's you know a big game to be you know that's yeah of course because i remember seeing that with like borderlands 3 before that came out at pax west but at least it seems like even with that in mind like it seems like there's still other stuff to do whereas at e3 like there's really nothing unless you've got meetings yeah, pretty much. So, like, like, like I said, you know that it, it just—it's just that friendly, friendlier atmosphere that that That's I awesome. enjoy so much. You know, so I'm hoping to come back to either you know Seattle or Boston or even go to San Antonio for their Pack South. So, oh, sweet, yeah, that sounds cool. So, I for those who are on the fence about you know going to Pax, I highly recommend it. It's a good time. Yeah, it's a little expensive, but. It's worth it. I mean, it's worth being in the cold, going walking through the cold for those. Uh, yeah, that time there, I I even went to uh like a little after party by that was done by Daisy at a at a bar. It's like we were like we were just there was a line to get in because you have to check in via the QR code. Mm-hmm. So there we are. It's like twenty two degrees. It's windy. Oh we're like man, like freezing out there. Just to get in to check in. <laughs> That's then, awful. But hey, it, it was it was a small little get together at a bar, you know, free drinks cool. and free food, so can't complain. Cool. All right. Well, now moving on to our question segment. Our first question comes from Nico Gonzalez, and he asks, 
What worlds would you like to explore as Kyrie if she were to be the main protagonist in a future title? It would be interesting to see the main plot of the game explore Kyrie's past and how she became a Princess of Light and gaining power from the New Seven Hearts to find Sora. Um, I would, I mean, Ready and Garden for sure. Cause that's yeah, of course. Origin. And then I would love to see her exp- go back to the old Seven Princesses Hearts worlds. To kind of get yeah, their advice cool. and yeah. how to, you know, how to be, like, what that kind of entails her to be. Like, what does it mean to be a prince of a heart? Yep. And then, go and then, or, and then from there going and, you know, going to meet up with the future princes of heart to, to kind of, like, forewarn them or, you know, yeah. or protect they them. They could still be in danger, so. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to see mainly see her connect with the old seven princesses because you didn't really get to see them interact with, the, with her because yeah after, they you, really did it because after you um defeat you know riku 2 and you go through all that cutscene and you're heartless you know like Kairi goes back to traverse town with you know with leon and the gang while the other princesses stay behind in the castle yep. to prevent the darkness from spreading so it's like those princesses never got to interact with Kairi. so and yeah. then like and then, like, the whole mention of her being a princess of heart kind of, like, started the wane as the games go along. You know, like, they mentioned it maybe once or twice in Kingdom Hearts 2, and then, and then um, maybe once in Dream Drop Distance, and then Kingdom Hearts 3, they barely even mentioned her being a princess of, of light. Yeah, they didn't. Something I really like, though, about um, Kingdom Hearts 1 and their representation of the princesses of heart was once you've rescued them and you go back to Hollow Bastion and go to talk to them... They're very knowledgeable about what's going on and about the magic going on, and and the, and they're actually like specifically saying, yeah, we're we're using our magic right now to uh, block as much of the darkness from getting out as we can. But it's, I mean, there's really only so much we can do. So like, usually when you encounter Disney characters, like they really don't know much about what's going on with the main plot. But in the case of the Princesses of Heart, at least in this situation. They did. So I kind of wonder if maybe, you know, with wh- whoever she encounters, whether it's the old princesses of heart or the new princesses of heart, it'd be pretty cool if they could also be clued in to what's going on. Or maybe she can call on them for assistance a- in some way, like maybe through like uh, the D-Link system yeah, you know, I was gonna bring like that from up. Birth by Sleep, you know, in some way, maybe utilize their strength and maybe through the power of all seven princes of, of heart, including Kyrie's own power, maybe somehow that can help her or ha- help them find a way to get to Sora and maybe, you know, combine that with whatever Riku finds out with, uh, you know, investigating his dreams with uh, Fairy Godmother, maybe through all the, you know, through all the powers combined, we have the plot device to get to Sora. Maybe. Yes. So that could be a good possibility. Um, yeah, I guess for me, um, yeah, Seven Princesses of a Heart, and if I have only just, like, like one big hope is Moana. I want Kyrie to go to the Moana world, because I think that would be so awesome. Technically, they're both island girls, they should have a lot in common, should be great. And I feel like Moana can teach her to be even more badass, because Moana's such a cool princess, and she's so awesome, so headstrong. I think Kyrie can learn a lot from her. Definitely. So, yeah, moving on from there. Uh, Churro, if you could take this next one. This is from Ellis 
Holmes, and they write, Do you all think that Kingdom Hearts 4 should be the end of Sora's story? And would any games that follow introduce a new main character to the story? Or would there be too much kickback from the fans for that to ever happen? So I'll just answer your last question first. Yes, there would be too much kickback from the fans for that to ever happen. But should it be the end of his story? Yes, it should be the end of his story. I thought Kingdom Hearts 3 should have been, should have been the end of, King, of Sora's story. But I'm also always surprised by where Nomura takes the story, and I'm always ever intrigued to see where he takes it next. So even though, yeah... His story probably should have ended a long time ago. I'm still intrigued, and I want to keep going. So, but yeah, I think there would be too much kickback. Do you think, Charo, do you think there would ever not be kickback on kicking out Sora? Um, probably not. I mean, everybody yeah. everybody loves Sora. I think at best, like, first, they would need to really wrap up his story very strongly and give him a very, very good ending, so it feels very complete. It can't just be, like, a, you know, a vague ending. Like, like technically speaking, you could say, oh, Kingdom Hearts 2, if you ended, if you stopped playing at Kingdom Hearts 2, that is a final, like, story. or Like, a, that is a final conclusion for Sora's story, but it's not so satisfying in the sense that like, this is the end of his adventure. Like, it doesn't feel conclusive. Like, I think if they, however they end it, whenever they end it, it needs to be so strong and so complete as a nice ending for Sora himself, for just Sora, How whatever it is, whether it's a good thing of him, like, getting everything he's ever wanted, kissing Kyrie, you know, settling down and ha- living happily ever after, whether it's that or whether Sora gives the ultimate sacrifice and gives up his life so everybody else can, you know, be fine. Which kind of, that's what this, that's how Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of ended, but it it was designed to, you know, not feel satisfying. It was designed to be unsettling, you know, and that's what's kicking forward the story going forward. But I think if you want to end it off right... Whatever it is, it's got to feel conclusive and powerful and feel properly like the ending. And I think if it's satisfying enough, like if everybody got everything they ever wanted, for example, let's say at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3, Sora got his girl, he got Kyrie, cut to 30 years later, and they have a happy family and everything's fine. I think if people got that ending out of Kingdom Hearts 3, I think they wouldn't be so angry if they ended the story there. The problem is we haven't gotten that, and so far we've never even got anything close to that. Well, I think I mean, because there's so much unfinished business, I think that's why people would be so much, there would be so much kickback. It depends if uh, Nomura wants Sora to stop being the main character, because Nomura always said Kingdom Hearts is Sora's story. So Yeah, that's a good point. Because basically the role of Sora is supposed to be like, it almost feels like kind of like our role within it, you know, ourselves in Sora's role. You know, yeah. kind of like being that, you know, that that spiritual thing or whatever that make us yeah. feel like we're reenacting our childhoods of the Disney worlds, you know, the movies yeah. and all that. So that's the way I look at it. I mean, it'd be weird to get somebody older than Sora or maybe, you know, or someone different than Sora because we're so used to Sora. You know, we're almost yeah. going on, you know, twenty two decades worth of Sora. You yeah. know, so that's true. it's... 
it's completely up to Namara if he wants to be like, hey, you know, I guess we should go a different direction. But for now, I really don't see. Yeah, it's hard that to see happening. it now. You know, it, it's I guess not going to happen. Technically, maybe Yozora could be the successor. I mean, he could be, but, you know, Namara being Namara, I don't think he's going to do that. I doubt it, yeah. Same. It's just basically using Kingdom Hearts to tell the story from, 13. for Versus 13, pretty much. Yeah. Alright, so moving on to the next question. This one comes from Russell Weathers, and they ask, uh, with the coronavirus going around, a lot of big game events are being cancelled. If E3 is cancelled as well, will this affect any potential upcoming Kingdom Hearts announcements? I doubt it, because Square Enix has the means to do announcements without relying on a big press event. I mean, Bingo. They, have, they have their own Twitch channel, they have their own YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, they have social media. I mean, hell, I mean, during Kingdom Hearts 3's um, promotional thing in 2018, they would, like, right before Tokyo Game Show, they tweeted out, oh, on, on the Monday before Tokyo Game Show starts, we'll release a brand new trailer. Yep. And that was all social media. That was nothing to do with, like, Tokyo Game Show itself. Yeah. So they could easily say, hey, on this day, we'll be releasing a trailer. That's yeah. it. They don't really re- need to rely on big gaming events, you know, to any announcements, you know, like with Dark yeah. Road. I mean, Dark Road's announcement came just solely on social media. Yep, purely social media. Now, one thing I will bring up that, you know, slightly devil's advocate, but not really, because on the whole, I 100% agree with you, Chura. I think they do not need E3 for this. The only slight thing I could think of, but I don't think this E3 is related to this at all would be if they were trying to announce Kingdom Hearts 4, something a lot bigger. I would say if that's the case, then I could see maybe Square Enix doing their own press conference or their own, like, Nintendo Direct-style thing, but, like, I feel like if it's Kingdom Hearts 4, it needs something bigger. And I'm not saying for this year, for E3, I don't think Kingdom Hearts 4 will be announced this year. I think whenever they do announce it, I kind of feel like, you know, given that Kingdom Hearts 3... It was on the big stage at Sony at E3 in 2013, right after Final Fantasy XV's, you know, rebranding. Uh, it, it would it would be a, kind of a step back almost not to do something as big. I don't think it needs to be E3. I, you know, I could see if they really wanted that, they could wait till Tokyo Game Show. They could wait till the Game Awards. They could wait till any number of events. It doesn't have to be E3. I mean, then if you look, we you remember 2015, we remember they had their own little press conference. Yes, they did. Three, they can, like I said, they could they do can, their own. They could do their own. They don't have to rely on big gaming events anymore. Yeah, any company, so for that matter. Yeah, you know, E E three was. I mean, with the way you know E three is presented itself lately, it's not going to be. It's a lot of people think it's not going to be around for too much longer, but yeah, we'll see when true. it comes to that time. But yet. The point is, is that social media has gotten so big. It's not like back in the day, like when me and you were covering, you know, this, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 was coming out, where we had to rely on E3, we had to rely on Tokyo Game Show, and, you know, Jump Festa for new trailers to come out. Yeah, that's all there was. Yeah, that's all we had to rely on, you know, and then now that it's social media is so popular that they can easily just upload it and do it themselves. Yep, that's so true. Times have changed. <laughs> yeah. So, I think for 
pretty much most Kingdom Hearts projects, I think pretty much anything would be fine. The only one that gives me pause when I think about it would be a, you know, a Kingdom Hearts 4. I feel like that probably, you know, could stand on its own at a big event. You know, maybe not the Kyrie game. The Kyrie game, I could see that showing up on a live stream and that'd be fine. But I think, like, if it's gonna be something as big as Kingdom Hearts 4, whenever that happens, I think it's gotta be at a, at a big event. But it doesn't have to be E3. It doesn't have to be, it could even be just Square Enix's own conference. You know, they could announce a whole bunch of games and Kingdom Hearts 4 would just be one of them. You know, but yeah, I think it's, probably deserves to be at a conference. I mean, if Square Enix can create their own media events, you know, for press to play on, I mean, they can easily transform it into their own thing. Definitely. All right, and sure, if you could take this last one. This is from Joseph Robertson, and they write, Do you think there's any more to the Dark Lane on the front of Kingdom Hearts 3's cover? If we're allowed to discuss Kingdom Hearts Union Cross, who do you think the Dark Lanes are waiting for in Wreck-It Ralph's world? Also, can we start getting Kingdom Hearts Union Cross to story so far sections with discussion and chunks on the podcast while there's little news? So, uh, yeah, just to address the first question, do I think there's anything more to the Darkling that's on the front of the Kingdom Hearts 3 cover? Um, currently, it's hard to say. I would say maybe. I think when Namor was drawing the cover, I'm sure there was something. Uh, whether or not that's going to be something we're going to find out about soon or not, we don't know. Um, the only thing really related to Darklings that showed up in Kingdom Hearts 3 was Dark Aqua. Like, that's the closest we got to a Darkling is, you know, because her design was very much Darkling-based. So that's that's the closest that we've gotten to that. And then, um, yeah, I guess uh, with related to Union Cross, uh, you know, who do I think the Darklings were waiting for in Wreck-It Ralph's world? Um... I mean, they they really didn't give much of a hint. I would say probably a Keyblade wielder, and I don't want to get into big spoilers in Union Cross because there's some stuff like I, I looked back and saw that this I think this particular cutscene that you're referring to uh, this is something that happened recently in the North American version of Union Cross. Uh, I, the gut feelings that I have are more related to stuff that are in um, more recent updates in the Japanese version of Union Cross. So I'll just say vaguely, there's a certain Keyblade wielder that appeared in a cutscene where there's a bunch of Keyblade wielders talking together, and uh, there's a particular character that maybe, uh, you know, people that play the main series know better, uh, and, you know... uh, I'll just say they uh, one character rested his hand on this particular character. That character who has a little bit more, you know, emphasis now, and he seems like a nice guy, but he also might be very naive. I think maybe I've given enough hints as who I think. I think if anybody's waiting for him, or if if any darklings, specifically dark people or dark-essenced creatures are waiting for somebody, and, you know, hypothetically speaking, they're probably waiting for a Keyblade wielder, because the Keyblade wielders in question in that cutscene were Ephemer and the player character. If it wasn't those two Keyblade wielders, it must be another Keyblade wielder 
So the only one that I could think of is that particular one that I'm hinting at very heavily. So if you get what I'm talking about, then hopefully you know what I'm getting at. So moving on from there, uh, your last question talking about could we get like a Kingdom Hearts Union Cross the story so far segment where we would talk about the story that has been going on so far. Uh, we, we can, and we've done this sort of thing in the past. The only thing is like, like Kingdom Hearts Union Cross is such a long, se- it's such a long series of stories and so, so little of it is important that it's like, just personally for me, I don't play the game anymore. I, I just, every now and then I go back and I watch cutscenes on YouTube just to catch up. So, I'm not as caught up to date on it. I can get up to date and, you know, in preparation for the podcast and that's fine. But at least more recently, I haven't felt like there's been too much that has necessarily warranted like a lot of discussion so much. Not, not, not ready to second. So maybe once Dark Road, uh, start, has come out, maybe there'll be stuff there that we can talk about, you know, at the very least, there's going to be new content based on that, right? So. Maybe that'll be worth discussion, but uh, I would just say currently, right this second, I don't know, but I, I won't. I, I wouldn't say no, but I think once there's more uh, bigger developments, uh, I know, like Churro, isn't there supposed to be like a Union Cross like chapter, like an, another chapter coming out that is separate from Dark Road, like actually for Union Cross? I thought they were hyping something up like that. I didn't hear anything about that. Okay, I maybe maybe I misheard or misremembered. Maybe that's just Dark Road. But like for something like that, if a new chapter came out for Union Cross, maybe that would be something on that level. Maybe you know, and we could do a recap of the stuff prior to that. You know, I could see that being worth it. It's just like, like I said, there's just it's such a long story, and so little of it is important that it's hard to you know, grasp exactly what's worth discussing. I would say, like, man, I, I know a lot of people are, are, you know, feel this way, but, like, there's, I feel like there is probably enough story there that they could just make a console game that has all the stuff in it. <laughs> I'd kind of like it. But, uh, ho- hopefully, uh, there'll be another more accessible way to experience this story soon. So, yeah, I think that pretty much covers our question segment. Our music for this episode is a piano cover of Face My Fears. This is done by Rousseau on YouTube. So you can check him out there. He does a lot of piano covers. And our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 24th of March. That's going to be a couple of weeks before 7 Remake not much longer, Churro. Not much longer. But Just gotta hold out. Well, at least I got Persona 5 Royal to to, to cover myself for yep, the that's last right. two weeks or a yeah. week or so. I will say, I don't think I mentioned this, this in the episode uh, so far, but I finally finished Dragon Quest Eleven. So right. I'll just let you guys know one last time, like, I highly recommend Dragon Quest Eleven. It is an excellent game, and... If you ever feel disenfranchised by other game series not having enough content in it, or if you want to see a fresh vision of what a modern RPG can be, 
and how it can have a ton of content without breaking the bank, Dragon Quest XI is the perfect example of that. There is so much content. There are so... I'll just describe it in this way. There are several, many, many, many towns. There are full towns that have completely different art styles that are based on completely different countries. There's so much there. So many different towns that are there and so many different characters and just so many different monsters and orchestral music if you play on the Switch version and lots of voice acting and good voice acting and great characters and I'll say that my final uh, uh, time, uh, play time, once I was finally done with everything, main story and post-game, I think I was at about 90 hours. Wow. About 90 hours, and I would say uh, maybe even longer. Actually, probably about closer to 100. Probably closer to 100. And I would say about 75 to 80 of those hours was the main story. And then, uh, yeah, about another 20 to tw- twenty to 30 hours was the post-game. And basically, the post-game is almost like Dragon Quest XI 2. Like, it's ba- basically Dragon Quest Eleven is Dragon Quest Eleven plus its own sequel, which is just in there. And that, to me, is just, like, so crazy to me that this game, it's so complete. They give so many complete, very conclusive endings that it's, like, so obvious there will never be a sequel to this. Because the game itself does such a good job at wrapping up everything. Everything, everyone... I was telling uh, a friend of mine here that, like, you know, if you ever remember, like, Pokemon, like, the TV show Pokemon, you know how in the TV show Pokemon, how, like, pretty much every episode, it goes like this. Ash and his friends, they go to a new town, they bump into somebody who's having some trouble, they help him out, they fight Team Rocket, and they save the day. And then at the end, it always ends the same way. Ash and his friends are leaving the town, and they, they're waving goodbye. I'll see you again sometime. Bye! Do they ever see them again? They never see them again. Dragon Quest has a similar structure a lot of the times, except you actually will go back and see them. It may be several hours, multiple tens of hours later, maybe. But pretty much everybody you bump into, you'll probably see that person again someday. It may be many years later, seemingly, but you'll probably meet them again, and they'll have another story, and it'll be great. Dragon Quest XI is a very complete game. I highly recommend it. You should try it out. All right. So, uh, yeah. Uh, as I think I didn't get to this part, but as always, if you guys like Kingdom Hearts Union, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one! Yes. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com, Spotify, or King... <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Cage Union. I'm sorry. I'm too tired for <laughs> That's this. Okay. That's alright. Alright. And remember, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. I know you have Dragon Quest on the brain, so it's okay. I got Dragon Quest on the brain. I've got a f- fuddle on the brain. By the way, Dragon Quest has the cutest 
like, spell names and, like, status ailment names. There's a lot of really cutesy British sayings that they say all the time. Like, I'll just say this. So, the fire spell is called Frizz. And then, they, that fire spell only attacks a single enemy. And then there's a, uh, a different version of it that attacks several enemies. It's called Sizz. And then if you want to get a stronger version, it's called Sizzle. And then the stronger version of that will be like Cussizzle or something like that. And there's like another one called Boom. And then it's Kaboom. And then Kaboomle. It's like the cutest phrases ever. I love it. It's great. I'll also say, uh, I'm personally really itching to play this. Uh, if you, let's say you've already played Dragon Quest. I might be preaching to the choir. You may have already played this game, but just in case you haven't, next game to play for you, Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni is basically a Dragon Quest game, but it's based, uh, on not just Dragon Quest conventions, but also Pokemon gameplay, and in addition to all of that, it was made in collaboration with Studio Ghibli. I, I crap you not. Made in collaboration with Studio Ghibli. A lot of the, a lot of the cutscenes were animated by Studio Ghibli, like a Studio Ghibli, like actual movie, pretty much. It is all excellent. I, I, I'm really itching to play it again. I'll also say, if you ever disenfranchised by the Pokemon series and you want to see what a, an actual RPG that's like a full-scale adventure, what that could be like as a Pokemon game, try Nino Kuni. It's great. Alright, Churro. It is goodbye time. Let's say goodbye. Already? Already, I know. But don't worry, we'll be back! Yes, uh, we're also approaching 200 Yes, yeah, true. We are... We are approaching episode 200 so uh let's just hear it like if you guys have any uh suggestions for what you'd want to hear on episode 200 please you can send it to our email send us on twitter whatever you want to get that to us too that'd be great and you guys got time yeah you got time uh probably i think the episode will probably air in around august late august early september around there so there's plenty of time all right um bye guys thanks for tuning in We'll see you in the next one, and thank you always for your support. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Hey guys, post-episode recording Brandon here. Just going to let you know that the audio quality on my recording is unfortunately really bad. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, my webcam is the culprit for this one. Thank you.